Welcome to the show. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be the host for your Disco Posse podcast. I hope that you like this one as much as I did when I recorded it with Fabrice Testa. Fabrice is an author, an entrepreneur, an investor, and somebody who genuinely is using technology and business to bring good to the world. It was such a fantastic opportunity to really delve into his book, Super Entrepreneurship Decoded. I loved it so much that I actually read it multiple times in preparation for the interview, and it was just that good. So you definitely got to get a copy. Hit the links uh, that are on the website episode page. You can also hit us up on the YouTube. Definitely reach out. I'm going to be running a contest on my YouTube channel. If you want to get a copy of this book, drop me a comment on the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash Disco Posse podcast. And I'm going to be giving away a bunch of copies of this fantastic book. So uh, just check the YouTube page for the details on that one. All right. Uh, and before speaking of, how do we make stuff like that happen? It goes without saying that the fine folks that make this podcast happen include people like Veeam Software, who've been longtime supporters and who I support because they have a fantastic set of products. As far as data protection goes, they got you covered. Everything you need for your data protection needs, whether it's in the cloud, whether it's in containerized platforms, whether it's SaaS, whether it's on-premises, virtualized, even physical servers, all that stuff needs to be backed up and needs to be saved from things like ransomware and all sorts of naughty, naughty things that are going on in the world. So it could just be, you know, Pete in accounting that accidentally deletes a file. It could be somebody who erases a Teams message that shouldn't have gone away. So get that stuff protected. All right, just go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse, and it's just that easy. vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. And speaking of protection, make sure you protect your data when it's in transit as well. Easy way to do that is you can use great products like ExpressVPN. The reason why I use VPNs is because I like to make sure that I can do my best to protect my identity, protect my data. And also it's just fantastic for web testing if I need to test like remote location to make sure that it works as expected from different regions. So it's really, really great. I use ExpressVPN for that very purpose. If you want to check it out yourself, go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash Disco Posse and you can get it for yourself. All right. This is Fabrice Testa. I hope you like the show. He is amazing. Get his book. Hey, hello, it's Fabrice Testa, and you are listening to the Disco Posse podcast. This is perfect. What a great way to start the year. This is fantastic. So Fabrice, thank you very much. I've been engulfed in the school of Fabrice now for a while. I was really, really pleased when I had the opportunity to put you uh, on as a, as a potential guest. And I really, really enjoyed, first, I read your, your most recent book, which is The Super Entrepreneurship Decoded fantastic book went a lot through the rest of your history of course and leading up to that book you have so much to bring and you've brought so much to the world already but for folks that are brand new and who don't already know you Fabrice if you don't mind let's just get a quick bio 
we'll talk about the book and I'll, a really, really good exploration of this concept of the superpreneur. Yes, uh, thanks, Eric, for welcoming me on, on this show. Uh, yes, so I'm Fabrice Testa, and actually uh, I'm a Belgian. I have also some uh, origins from Italy. Uh, so I live in Belgium, but I work mostly, my business is mostly in Luxembourg, so in Europe. And uh, I have, of course, traveled all, all over the world during my career. And basically, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, so I, uh, I founded or co-founded uh, different companies uh, in the space sector, in the digitalization. Uh, one of them achieved a 100 million euro turnover, 200 people. Then this company was sold. Uh, and after that, I founded also a company in the satellite service company uh, in Luxembourg. And after three years, that company was also sold. And um, after the, the sale of this company, I had no new entrepreneurial projects. So I started uh, some new life as an investor, a business angel. So I did uh, different investments, again, in, uh, in different technologies, uh, space, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, uh, ICT, etc. And uh, and then uh, I started also to be a, a coach and mentor to help other entrepreneurs because I wanted to give back some somehow uh, and to help uh, other entrepreneurs by sharing my experience and let's say the successful strategies and tactics that was working for me. Uh, I also created uh, by that time a, a blueprint that I call the superpreneur blueprint to help entrepreneurs to become what I call superpreneurs. And maybe we will discuss more about it, this and to solve some big problems by, uh, by uh, materializing crazy ideas. And uh, actually, I, was, uh, I met uh, a young Dutch entrepreneur in 2017. And he came with a crazy idea. So for me, it was the opportunity to also uh, be again involved in a kind of superpreneur uh, venture. So we we co-founded with other people in 2018, the company called Mana Electric that is also mentioned in my book. And uh, yeah, and now this company is working well. So today I spent uh, my time between this company as a co-founder uh, and shareholder. Uh, I also uh, spent time uh, mentoring, coaching, uh, uh, speaking at several events uh, to explain this super entrepreneurship movement that I launched. And I wrote a book, this uh, book, Super Entrepreneurship Decoded, uh, because I think that one thing was missing in the superpreneur uh, blueprint. It was a method because the superpreneur blueprint gives the the core pillars the the guiding principles and the key characteristic of this kind of venture but it was not telling how to do it and so uh i try to analyze what superpreneurs super entrepreneurs and super achievers uh, how they do it what is their secret to succeed why others fail and in the book i unveil five secrets that i think can help entrepreneurs to maximize their chances of success. Of course, it's not a guarantee of success, but I think it's a, a way to maximize the chances of success. 
and uh, and I they've put all these five secrets around a method that I call the crazy uh, method. So that's a bit uh, the origin, my my uh, let's say story and the origin of the book. Yes. I, I really appreciated the the, uh, the beautiful use of acronyms. So we we'll talk. I would go crazy as a as a method. People think is he meaning literally crazy, but it's a perfect pairing uh, because it allows us to assign you know a memorable name to it, and it's not far off of you know these real sort of crazy and and moonshot type of ideas. If we take it in its literal sense of the word. And then a pathway to execution that's been tested and proven that you're bringing this methodology, you're, you're bringing a framework to the world that you've lived and experienced, which is, I, I think, one of the best things that people need to appreciate about the book. This is not, you know, uh, a Harvard, you know, airplane MBA guide that you read between New York and Boston flights. This is a lived experience that's brought down and distilled into effective, meaningful steps that you can implement with great analogous references that are, you know, meaningful and helpful. And of course, like I said, bring your personal experience. I trust it. I think as Nassim uh, uh, Taleb says, the greatest way to be a philosopher king is to be a king first and then a philosopher second. Too many times these days when you go through the business section or, you know, these sort of self-help sections, it's a lot of people who are straight from school and their PhD year was writing, you know, from research. And it's, well, it's a beautiful thing. It, 10 years later, when they go back and revisit their early work, they're like, oh, wow, I was naive a lot of times in, in what was written. So your your book first of all tells a beautiful story and that like a, and i mentioned before we talked it is you telling the story uh, it really really comes through as a person telling me how to achieve this from their own experience and and i said it's refreshing change because i've read a lot of books of this style that aim to do this and they often come back as the same three things that i already sort of new and, and it, it's a little bit reinforcing but uh it was very very well done so i can't i honestly can't talk enough we'll have links of course in all the show notes for people they should absolutely pick up the book thanks eric uh, i really appreciate uh it's uh, always nice to hear uh, nice words uh, like this uh but you know uh i think i wrote the book as i would have uh like to read a book because I also read a lot of uh, non-fiction non-fiction books maybe between 50 and 60 books you know per year uh, I like uh, books about entrepreneurship business etc some are very good uh, and some I think are less good because it's true that there are a lot of uh, maybe uh, they tend to to have some frameworks etc but uh, you don't see really how to apply it and what i wanted with the book is to give a very simple framework because i think the the framework is very simple in essence now the difficulty is to apply it in real life and it's why i provide in the book worksheets so that people can apply let's say the principles of the book try to answer a lot of questions and try to put in practice uh, yeah, the principles of the book. 
And it's also why I'm just launching by end of this month a companion course to the book, which will be called the Crazy Method Launchpad uh, online course. And it's an online coaching program on 12 weeks. Every week, there will be a module. And uh, we are mostly following, let's say, the method of which is in the book. But I'm going really to dive deep into each of them, which, of course, I could not do with the book because in the book, you are obliged a bit to scratch the surface, unfortunately, because otherwise, you know, the book will be in digest and will be uh, much too big. So, but with the course, I think the people will have really the opportunity to go uh, really uh, to dive deep into the principles of the book, to put in actions the method that I propose in the book. And hopefully, like this, they, they can really materialize uh, their breakthrough potential. They can really have a solid plan uh, if, for example, they want to launch this kind of breakthrough venture that uh, I'm suggesting uh, in the book. The thing that we need to look at too and what that's why i appreciated the references throughout and and you know very specific stories that are called on from you know other parts of the industry as well is the the proof in in execution elsewhere right it's it gives us a chance to have a reason you know why is the book built to last one of the most popular ones is because it's five familiar brands you know that we we know and, and there's that familiarity breeds the belief that i can achieve it so there's something to be said about this but when you get into sort of the moonshot areas and these very big ideas it's a little more difficult to find meaningful real existing references <laughs> you know looking back now it's funny that in two years three years you'll look through those stories in the book and they'll be like it'll seem obvious but at the time when you're writing this of course it's these are still moonshots you know we look at elon musk and you know not just in a single moonshot but in multiple ventures that he's achieved you of course you know, uh, coming from supporting and, and investing in in space technologies and being in that ecosystem. There's a lot of these sort of hidden, there's a hidden world that's existing that most people are not going to be aware of until it's already on their phone or wherever it is, right? They just, they take for granted all of this other work that's happening to support the thing that makes the news or that that, that makes the big story. But it's so I so I just realized too is by actual SpaceX. sheer coincidence I was wearing a SpaceX uh, uh, shirt. My wife and I are both uh, space uh, fanatics, and we went <laughs> last time I got a chance. We actually went to watch the Delta Four Orion launch in Florida. It was fantastic. There, there's nothing like an in-person launch, and and being aware of how seemingly unrealistic that idea is to most people. And why the super entrepreneur is has to and is somehow able to put that aside and say, this needs to get done. And despite advice and despite doubt, we're going to do things to get back to like this. It can be done. So maybe let's start there. 
Describe to me, Fabrice, what is the super entrepreneur or the superpreneur? Yes, uh, I think it's a, it's a good question indeed to, 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 to start somehow the conversation. Uh, you know, sup- what I call super entrepreneurs are people that uh, they want to solve some big problems. Because uh, I explained in the book that in 2007, uh, we, we enter in what I call the age of exponential acceleration. So everything is really going very fast. Uh, mostly technology is uh, going exponentially, which is a good thing uh, because today we have many technologies that have achieved a good level of maturity and they are used by this kind of innovators and inventors to build uh, some amazing solutions. But at the same time, problems are also accelerating at an exponential pace of change. If you look at climate change and you had, unfortunately, you know, these disasters in Colorado, for example, I, I strongly believe that this is a consequence of climate change. And we see that we have now more wildfires, more floodings, etc. You know, in Belgium, for example, we had terrible floodings uh, in the summer. So I think that we must do something. And... Unfortunately, most of the conventional solutions have proven their limits. So it's time for radical solutions, what we call crazy ideas, crazy solutions, you know, solutions that initially seemed impossible, you know. But what I try to always explain is that today at the age of exponential acceleration, nothing is really impossible. And at the edge of the exponential acceleration, impossible becomes possible. And these kind of entrepreneurs, I call them super entrepreneurs because they strongly believe that nothing is really impossible. And they are ready to dedicate 10 years, 20 years of their lifetime to solve such kind of big problems and to come with some amazing solution that will solve these problems. And for example, to give a very concrete example to your audience, there is, for example, this guy in the, the book that I described, Giuseppe Sculti. He is uh, Italian, but living in Barcelona, in Spain. And he, he discovered that uh, he could use some technology used for 3D print uh, uh, human tissues, etc., that he could use the same technology to 3D print food. And so now he is using this technology to, to 3D print food. Imagine that today is, of course, at still at very small scale, but imagine that tomorrow he can build machines that can scale, uh, he can scale these machines to produce tons of food, like 3D and 3D print tons of food. This could be really a big solution for uh, solving hunger uh, around the world because today, unfortunately, in the world, many people, they have uh, only access to one meal per day. Uh, so I think at the 21st century, you know, and we are always saying, ah, we live extraordinary times, etc., which is true. But how can we admit that today in our civilization that some people, they have only access to one meal per day? So I think we need to come with so- some solutions. And it's not with the traditional solutions that we will do it, but with this kind of breakthrough solutions, it will be possible. And so it's why I call them super entrepreneurs. And just to be clear, I don't want to put, you know, 
to oppose, you know, one kind of entrepreneur to another kind of entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur and I respect all kind of entrepreneurship. It's just that these kind of people, I think they are super because they want really to solve big problems, to dedicate a big part of their lifetime to this, to work on moonshot, things that other maybe may think that are impossible. You know, when I when I met, you know, this uh, young entrepreneur, uh, Jos van Orscott, that is also in the book, you know, uh, that uh, came with this idea behind Man Electric. Uh, when I met him first, my first reaction was also to say, wow, it's crazy. He wants to turn sand into solar panels, into a machine. This is impossible. So my first reaction, and I'm, I'm also in this movement, you know, but my first reaction was to say that's impossible. So our first reaction, because we have a linear mind, is to say it's impossible. And if if we go to an exponential mind, then we see that everything is possible. Because in the exponential world, you know, if you can uh, go 10 times, if you have 10 doublings, it's, it's a grow of 1,000. If it's 20 doublings, it's a, a grow of uh, 1 million, you know. It's, it's, it's 30 doublings, it's uh, 1 billion uh, grow. So it's going very fast. And today we see with this progress of technologies that many things are possible. So I think uh, we need to have a, a mind shift, you know, and to really shift our perspective and see, okay, if I would have a magic wand, how I will solve this problem? And it's what I recommend to innovators. If you would like to, to solve this problem, what would you do? Don't think that with possible solution. Just imagine if you could do it, how you would do it. Like, for example, I said this 3D ma printing machine, like we see in some uh, science fiction movies, you know, that the, the, the foot is, is printed or appears directly like this. So... And this is really something that, uh, yes, we, we think with a magic wand that uh, it could be possible. But today, the reality is that it's, it's probably feasible and it will happen. I'm, I'm pretty sure that it will happen in the coming years that it will be at this scale. Well, and to, to take it back to this first principles thinking approach, which I think is obviously the fundamental to the, the folks that are achieving these sort of grand visions is because they've gotten rid of linear thinking. They have to shed the, the belief that everything is, you know, one to 1.1. It truly is this sort of zero to one, go back to, raw materials and i think actually it was uh, elon musk was recently on a lex uh, friedman podcast he talked about that the only way you can approach this is simply look at the, the the costs of the raw materials and the goal in the end is always to the cost of manufacturing will be as asymptotically close to zero above the raw materials and it's just a matter of the the work that you do to get closer to that raw material cost. And that's ultimately what led to battery technologies, you know, and we're seeing this with solar, right? And you're, 
you've proven it out, right? In that very idea that if you just said, well, we have to just make it slightly better than than current lithium manufacturing, right? It's that can't be it. You had to go to what seems like a crazy idea as Yoast brings and say, okay, what if we actually could do this? And then you realize you you always could with the right first mindset. And then second, which is why the book is important, executing the approach in operations as well. Because having a big, uh, there's lots of big ideas, but then having the team, the growth, the understanding to financially survive to execution is where it's a long distance from idea to execution. So that's why. Where do we learn this? Like, and and is it is it as rare as it seems to be able to have this thinking? Yes, uh, I think you you are right, Eric. You know, uh, I think when I met uh, again, when I met you the first time, I was thinking, okay, that's impossible to transform sand into uh, solar panels. Uh, all this will be possible, but then. I go just one minute after. Yeah, but let's imagine that it can work, okay? So I asked some people, do you think that it, it's possible? And many people told me, look, it, it, it's not against the laws of physics. Yeah, it, in sand, you can find everything to transform it into, into silicon and then into solar cells So basic and in glass. So basically, uh, it's, it's possible from a just a physics uh, standpoint and so this was for me the confirmation okay that's probably possible so now let's dive a bit deeper into that so i did my due diligence i analyzed more i tried to understand also the business model etc the what was the plan i was also impressed by the by yours master plan it's a notion that i explain also in the book what are what were the big goals, etc. And to be honest, we are just following the the big milestones right now. And 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 then you are right. I think an ID remains an ID until it is materialized. And so what I have what I see so so many times, you know, is entrepreneurs, they have a lot of ideas, etc., but they never take action. Or if they take action, they take ac bad action. So it's why I always say, first, you need to really know, okay, what do you want to achieve? What, what do you want to create in this world? What is your true purpose? Okay. And after that, you need to trust your crazy ideas that these crazy ideas will really uh, allow you to materialize somehow your big dreams. And you have to dream big and bold. Uh, you know, many people are unfortunately not audacious enough. These kind of super entrepreneurs or super achievers, they have dream, they have big dreams. They believe in their uh, big dreams and they are bold. They take the necessary actions to materialize their dreams. But you are right that the proper execution is key because without a proper execution, without what I call a flawless execution, you cannot unfortunately materialize because these kind of moonshots are very, very complicated, let's be honest, to be, to be achieved, to be materialized. So it's why it's very important to have a flawless execution. 
And these kind of super entrepreneurs and super achievers, they are master at execution. They really try to see anything that can hurt the business. And now the secret, one of the secrets to succeed this flawless execution is to have a good preparation. The preparation is key. But now you have not also to spend uh, months and months, you know, just in preparation and never take action. So I think there is a good balance to have. When you think that the, the your plans are good enough, then you have to act and maybe to revise a little bit your plans, etc., iterate, but and and of course uh, move forward. Because I see also a lot of entrepreneurs; they create, uh, they have big ideas, they create big plans, but at the end they they have the fear, you know, to to fail, uh, or maybe oh no, maybe uh, I should. Uh, or they try to perfection uh, their plans, but at, at some point they never do it, you know? Uh, and they have very nice uh, pitch deck or they have very nice business plans or they have even very nice products, you know? But they never uh, ask the customers about their products or they never, never try to sell their products. So they have fantastic products, but at some point they never question also the business uh, case uh, for the product. So I think, uh, yeah, the again, uh, uh, it, it's nice to have big ideas, but you need to go from a big idea, from a dream to a plan, and then to uh, some execution. Yeah, and and this is again, uh, it, it may seem very simple, and I think the the basics of the business is simple. You know, uh, business is what. Uh, an entrepreneur is there to solve a problem uh, with a product or service that you want to sell uh, uh, to some people, and this is the, and with and 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 you make some profits. I think the basic of business are very simple. Uh, the 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 realization is something which is more complicated because there are so many parameters, and these kind of super entrepreneurs and super achievers, uh, they. They have a, a holistic approach about uh, how to manage the company, and they try to minimize the flows in every aspect of their business. Now, you bring up a very important point when, without customer validation, this is quite often the death knell for product management and bringing products successfully to market because if they're if they wait too long before they expose to their buyer, you know, and their user, their their true technical consumer, they they go far down the path to what they believe is the correct thing to build or method to use. And then you have the double problem of number one, they're now pot committed or too far invested into this. And so they then start to discount the customer's ideas like, oh, no, 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 but you don't understand. We're, we know what we're doing better. We've built it. <laughs> but then the counter problem exists now, Fabrice, where in moonshots, quite often the customer doesn't exist in a way. When you've got an idea for a, such Do have a long plan as to when a customer will be able to test it. How do we, how does that gap get bridged in your experience? You know, dealing with very early emerging tech. 
Yeah, that that's of course uh, uh, a good question, and uh, and it can be a problem. Uh, actually, it's also something which is well known, and that I, I re-explain also in the book, is the technology adoption uh, life cycle. You know, so initially, uh, I think for this kind of uh, because mostly what I describe in the book are what is called deep tech, you know, companies. So it's really very long, let's say, uh, uh, moonshot uh, venture that will take probably 5, 10, if not 20 years, because there is a lot of research and development up front, etc. And for these kind of deep tech companies, generally what you need is to have the validation, at least a kind of validation or pre-validation from early pioneers. So early pioneers are really people that are visionary, that love new things, etc. that maybe see beyond, you know, they see the, they are, they like you futuristic things, etc. And let's take the example of Lilium, for example. Uh, it's a company also that I, I describe in the book. What they want is to have a, a small electric uh, plane to make uh, uh, interregional, let's say, or intercity uh, flights, you know. So this will be perfect. It's a bit like also Uber Air, you know. Uh, so it's right. this kind of companies that want to, to make some uh, flight taxis, etc. And you are right. Is there today customers? No. But there are some people that they, they may question some people and say, look, if this would uh, be available, will you take it? Will you be able to pay for it? And I think there are many people that will say, yeah, I love you. That, for example, in LA, where there is a big traffic jam, maybe I would have the possibility to fly instead of going on the road. I will love it and I will be ready to pay for it. So I think you can always find some people that at least validate uh, your, let's say, uh, value proposition. Now, the difficulty for these kind of companies is that after to have the the pioneers or what we call the early majority that will adopt let's say their product it will be to go to the uh, the the mass market and there might be more complicated but yeah it's 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 all the difficulty of creating a business that can scale etc but there are some of course hopefully some strategies to do this but I think in the case of Lilium, for example, they now went on the on the stock market. I think it's on the Nasdaq. Their value are 1.5 billion. So the market believes in what they do, and and I think there is a strong, let's say, um, uh, thinking among the population that yes, this kind of solution at some point will take off. Which is uh, here the the yeah the the, the right word will take off. Uh, as long as the the for example the barriers related to uh, air regulations etc uh, will be removed um, but early early validation is very important and i i i like to give a, a very simple uh, tip you know to startup which is the the start the starbuck uh, uh, tip so if it were, uh, 
if you have an ID, you go in a Starbucks and you ask someone, look, I pay you your latte, but you spend 10 minutes with me. I explain you what I want to do. And you just give your honest feedback about uh, what I want to do. If you think that it's completely crazy, tell me that it's completely crazy. If you think that you will never pay for it or that it will never work, uh, just let me know. If you think that it's amazing, just let me know, etc. But you know what? Uh, recently, a company in Luxembourg, uh, I met them in an event and they talked about this idea. And I said, did you validate your idea? Oh, no, we, we, we don't know uh, exactly... Uh, we have not yet we have not talked with the potential customer yet, etc. And I told them, look, go into a coffee shop and, and do this. And they did. And they received an incredible validation of their solution. And many people said, look, this, if this would exist, it will be fantastic. And since then, they just won some prices, etc. And they are really going, uh, they, they start going well. Uh, because now they are convinced that there is a real market behind. So I, I do believe that early market uh, validation uh, is very important. But you are right that for these kind of companies, it's not always easy. I think they have to focus on the on the very the pioneers, the early adopters. If at least they have this validation, it's already a good sign. But af after they will have some challenges, of course, uh, for sure. But uh, yeah. Well, and. I think an important thing that obviously plays out in in your in their book and with other work you're doing and and the upcoming course is I often call it uh, I call it framework over firepower that as the old saying goes that plans are useless but planning is essential and it's the being able to adjust pivot deal with you know changes in inputs but if you do not have a framework in which you can apply these methods and you know you're lucky more than you're right in in the execution and this is the belief that we can just sort of throw if i scale my engineering team by 100 then i will suddenly be 100 times more productive and it's the you know the mythical man month as they you know often they used to call it a mystical person month of course a bit more politically correct now because you cannot just throw human firepower at it or money firepower necessarily and have it scale. The framework is incredibly important because then it becomes the methodology that anyone in your team can apply. And that it also comes from vision and principle of the company. And I guess when you're creating your own you know framework and your own you're using your own method here fabrice or you're looking to entrepreneurs especially as an angel investor where do you what is it that you look for in that this is an idea and i trust these people to be able to scale towards this solution yes uh look before to make an investment uh I, I use what I call the 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 four T's, and it's not because my name is Testa, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's a it's around the T. And again, uh, I, I like uh, acronyms, etc. But here, it's uh, it's very a uh, mnemonic uh, uh, system for me to remember what is important. The first T is technology. So 
is this the, this technology really something uh, breakthrough? Uh, is it really something unique? Uh, can this technology really create uh, a big value? You know, so that's the first T that I look. Then I look at the second T, which is traction. And for me, again, traction means market. Is there a big market enough for this? Now, uh, referring back to the previous question, sometimes it may be a bit complicated, but at least is there some early pioneers, early adopters that might, let's say, that are quite excited about this solution? And this is what I call the traction. Then the third T is the team. Is there a team able to materialize this big idea within, within this big market? Because for me, this is an essential is the execution. Is the team able today, or maybe with some other people, to execute uh, the, the vision? And then the fourth uh, T is the timing. Is it today the right timing for it? Is it too early or is it too late? It's a notion that I explain also in the book because I think this is really paramount. And uh, there is a famous uh, person that I've, I, unfortunately I forgot his name, but he did an analysis of many ventures, what were their success factors, etc. And among, let's say, all these uh, the startups, etc., I think the video is available on YouTube. He found that actually timing was the key success factor. So, uh, yeah, because why? Because sometimes, you know, some people, they have a very good idea, but they come too early. And they are going to burn a lot of money before the market is ready. It's maybe a bit the case, for example, of Lilium that I was talking uh, previously, because I think they have a fantastic solution, but today the market is not fully ready. So they need a lot of cash. And it's why, for example, they did an IPO to have enough cash. If you are too late for the, for the market, the market is already over and that's, that's done. I think uh, probably you will have, you know, uh, some uh, late people that might, let's say, what we call the late majority that might eventually buy your solution, but the market is over, so it's it's too it's finished, you know. So I think the the proper market, the proper timing is very important. And what I have observed is that most of these super entrepreneurs, they are able to really sense, okay, what are the the moods of the time? When is the right timing for it? And they launch the solution at the right timing. For example, I think Elon Musk, uh, he, he was a master in that when he launched Tesla. I think he, he really perceived that there was something missing on the market, that it was a time for electrical vehicle, but he, he, there was a, a need for some a new kind of electrical vehicle, etc. So, and, and he was right. Uh, when he launched SpaceX, you know, and you have... <laughs> Uh, uh, Udi with uh, SpaceX, you know, he, he was also, uh, I think he, he was also in the right timing because uh, there was all the, the, the start of the new space, etc. Uh, there was uh, many projects of multi-constellation, etc. And uh, he was right to say, okay, if I can have a solution which is maybe cheaper, etc., I can give a boost into uh, this kind of this uh, new space age. 
So I think the timing is very important. So I use these four T's, the technology, have the right technology, uh, the right market, uh, the right team, and the right timing. And for me, these are the basics. After that, of course, there are many things, but I think uh, these are the, the four basics. Uh, and if, if at least a company has these four, four green lines into these four pillars, then for me, uh, I can try to investigate a bit more. Yeah, the, the timing is very interesting and it's often it's difficult to know until you're on the other side of it. But if we take anecdotal experience, combine it with data, and and I believe that we are going to be better, and we are today better at predicting that timing and ability to execute into that market versus, and I, of course, I brought up Built to Last. The funny thing about Built to Last is most of the stories in Built to Last actually led to pretty deep failures years after the book had come out because the markets completely shifted away. And it was sort of that idea that while they were successful in this pivot of those companies, they then failed to pivot soon after and they suffered because of the belief that it was now stabilized and, and they they languished, you know, what they believed they'd already achieved what they needed to do to survive. But Survival, like most things, is a continuous effort, <laughs> and especially in business when you've got funding. You know, in the end, they often say it's like you know, startups fail for two simple reasons: the money runs out, or the founders give up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a dispute between the founders, or they give up, or uh, the lack of cash. Yes, these are the two main reasons for sure. But the four T's that you talk about are the reason why the second part will occur most likely, right? It's just that because, you know, we've seen, you know, we joke about pets.com and the original .com era. They all would have been fantastically valued and successful today, of course, but we've now succeeded on the backs of their failure. And I think that's what, as, as humans and, and as learners, uh, in business and in tech, if we take those learnings and we say, if given the right timing, if we change the approach, if we go back to first principles, could we bring this back to the market and, and be successful in it? And it's, it's good. I like that entrepreneurship as well as being celebrated. We saw a long period where, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, a tough word when you say the Uber of something, right? Uber was this fantastic thing, but then it became synonymous with a negative view yeah. of the founder, of the specific founder, right? And and that shouldn't, like that story was unfortunate because it truly did taint the incredible thing that was done to change a market, to create something that just didn't exist. And, and so I like that. Now, entrepreneurship, we're going to see more and more people that are successful with it because I think further down towards the school system, they're studying these things instead of, you know, General Motors and, you know, Vodafone, you know, and the early, you know, technology creators as the case studies. They can now use case studies from the last five to 10 years 
which are fundamentally different than what we had 30 years ago, which were the case studies that were put in print and treated as the gospel of, of schooling, at least. And, and I'm curious on this one, uh, Fabrice, is there enough further down in even like in high school and secondary education that is being done to make entrepreneurship a viable future for for people? I, I, I feel like we're still not there yet, but I'm curious your experience as well of talking to especially early founders. Yes, uh, I strongly believe that we need more entrepreneurship and uh, not only to create uh, uh, profit ventures, but also non-profit uh, ventures. Uh, I think anyway, the, the same uh, principles of entrepreneurship uh, can be applied also for non-profit. So we need more people with an entrepreneurship spirit. And I think when you have an entrepreneurship spirit, uh, you can achieve anything you want in life uh, because you have some uh, capacity to uh, to convince others. Uh, you have some uh, um, tolerance, let's say, to risk uh, and maybe uh, to, again, things that uh, impossible things are, are possible. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I don't think that today the education system uh, prepares enough for entrepreneurship, at least at uh, primary or secondary school. Uh, of course, after that, there are some masters in entrepreneurship, etc. cetera. Um, but yes, uh, when the, the, the children are very young, I think there should be more kind of entrepreneurship, which is teach to, to, to our children. So for example, to 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 learn them how to how to make great presentations, how to pitch, uh, how to maybe uh, yeah uh, have a small business which can be a profit or non-profit, but at least to to try to put in place a project. So project management is very important. Uh, how to test their hypothesis, uh, how to make experiments. That failure is not a problem. Uh, I think there are many, many notions that could be uh, to learn, for example, the technology, uh, the exponential technologies. Uh, it may seem complicated, but it's not. You know, a 3D printer is not so expensive. And uh, they could play with a 3D printer to build uh, stuff, etc. AI, you know, for example, coding in uh, Python, etc., is also not expensive. Uh, so I think there are many things that uh, could be uh, teach uh, virtual reality, you know, and we are oh, there is all today this metaverse, etc. Again, uh, just a simple, uh, you know, glasses, etc., or a uh, met, you know, uh, for virtual reality is not so expensive. So. I think today, again, because, uh, you know, in this age of exponential acceleration, we also see uh, uh, a decrease of many costs, etc. So the, it's the zero marginal cost society that has been uh, well described by Jeremy Rifkin. And so today, many of these technologies are not so expensive if you want just to experiment a little bit. So why not to create in schools some you know, some kind of living labs, you know, where children, they can play with this. 
uh, they can also try to 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 put in place some projects then to pitch their projects in front of uh, an audience etc uh, maybe to fundraise also because sometimes is uh, they ask uh, to the parents or they ask to the teachers but why not to the children themselves you know to try to fundraise for their school uh, I think uh, I think if and and we should also learn uh, the principles of uh, personal finance, you know, uh, to children because it's something which is also not teach, uh, uh, and and I think it's unfortunate. So I think there is a lot to do in that that space uh, for sure. Yeah, that's uh, you are speaking the words that I I th I think of and is uh, said so well to this idea that. There are things that we do not teach, and I guess there's an assumption that the parents it's it's on the parents to teach these principles. But you know, in the end, if it's not promoted through the school system where they spend the majority of their time learning, where that's the most formal part of their day-to-day -day education, by the time the parents get around to it, they've spent a day learning or a day in some kind of programmatic, uh, you know, method. The last thing we're going to do is suddenly, hey, let's explore, you know, creating a pitch deck. And and it's funny that when I work with, you know, my, my kids, and uh, I think you've got, uh, I, I recall hearing you've uh, you've kids as well. And so I look at yeah, four kids. Yes. There you go. I I know your number too. I'm uh, the same. And my older kids, you know, I would when they would come to me for money, I would say, okay, what can we do so that I, if I give you this money, we can turn it into a way that it can create more money. You know, the first thing is like, what's a repeatable thing that we can do? So rather than just go and buy this thing once, and at least just to introduce critical thinking and them having to explain what they, why they really wanted something to me, they would often like become more confident, like, okay, so I, I've got this idea. I, I need, you know, $40 for something, but I've got an idea. What I'm going to do is I've got a bunch of stuff in my closet. I'm going to maybe do a garage sale. And so I would say, well, tell you what, I'll save you the trouble. We're going to donate it and I'll give you the money so that we can win twice because you're going to help somebody in need. And you've, you've pitched your case. I'm now your VC. <laughs> and it's, is when you give them though that freedom to create an idea and to push to get towards it they they feel good and you can tell in the next thing they ask you now they've got an approach they've got a, a method right and and so i think next time they go to their teacher they're going to say i need more time in this but here's my proposal <laughs> i'm going to run a study group but you know like they this is entrepreneurship in the smallest way and and i i love that spirit and you can see it in the kids they they know it's in them you know and it's not for everybody for sure there are many kids who they also think and act and, and learn differently and we should support that as well but for those kids that can like take that to the next level i really really think we should be putting putting stuff in place to to help them and m nurture that no i like it and uh, i try to do the same with my kids you know uh, for example uh, one of my uh, sons he said ah 
you know, there is this business uh, that I know uh, some friends, they do it, etc. I said, but you can do it. Uh, ah, yeah, but uh, uh, I need some uh, capital to start. I said, look, uh, I will uh, do your, I will make your sponsor, you know. Uh, I will give you the initial money and then you have to try. Then if you make profit, that's fine. And uh, let's see uh, how it works, etc. So, no, I like it. I think, uh, but you are right. Uh, the parents, of course, that maybe are educated can do it. But many parents probably, uh, they, they are not businessmen or they are not entrepreneurs. So, uh, so maybe they just don't think to, or they don't have the knowledge to learn to their children. And it's why at some point the school should try to learn this kind of uh, of principles to to the young generation because I strongly believe you know that uh, we need and it's it's all you know my mission I try to elevate uh, a new generation of young entrepreneurs because I think that entrepreneurs can really shape a better future for humanity. I think uh, it's true uh, entrepreneurship, truth building new things, etc., that we will build a better world. As I always say, build the world you love. I think if you wait that others build the, the world that, uh, that you love for you, it will not happen. You have to do it. So what, what the book is also called to have more doers, more builders that can really shape a new world that will be better for the next generation. I'm a father of four kids, and what I want is that when I pass away, the world will be a bit better than when I uh, that uh, the one that I I knew, uh, because I want my children and my grandchildren that they live in a better world, and so I think it's a collective responsibility. So it's why I call also this a super entrepreneurship, a super entrepreneurship movement. I hope that many people will read the book. Uh, it will inspire them. Again, it's not a guarantee of success, but maybe it will give uh, ideas to some people. Okay, maybe now it's my time to start. Uh, I will follow some principle of the book and I will try to take my chance. Because I think it's never too late, you know. Uh, and we have one life, so why not to try uh, at least? Now, some people will fail and you know i also had some failures uh, like everyone you know uh, that's perfectly normal but you need just to say okay i fail what i can learn from this failure and i can uh, try different maybe next time uh, but maybe during this journey uh, some people will meet uh, some investors or some team members and maybe the the next time they will uh, do another venture with uh, these investors or these team members and it will work uh, so i think uh, that's normal i think a failure is part of the journey uh, but it's not a reason to not try and i think we need more people that uh, try new things uh, try to uh, change how things are done so we need more game changers at all let's say, levels of the society, we need more game changers, people that don't accept the statu quo. I think there is too uh, too much co complaints, uh, yeah, too much acceptance, let's say, all things are done. Uh, and again, at this age of exponential acceleration, everything is going fast uh, and there is no reason uh, why we could not uh, 
do things differently and change how the world is uh, going. Again, I think the world is, there are many things that are going well, uh, so I'm not pessimistic at, at all. Uh, I think uh, we live probably much, much better than 100 years ago, for sure. But there are anyway many problems. And I think it's the collective responsibility uh, of all of us to try to find some solutions to solve these problems. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting quote is from uh, uh, Penn Jillette of the of the magician duo Penn and Teller. And he says, two things are invariably true. The world is getting better and people think it's getting worse. Right? The, there's <laughs> yes. uh, uh, this an incredible amount of media attention to uh, negative news stories. It's very easy for that to spread and to us feel engulfed in this. But as you said, by most measurable factors, we are better off economically, better off, you know, as far as distribution of food. There are many things we have a long way to go. And it it happens by people like yourself and and people like the superpreneurs and the, the the people that are ready to give whatever to give back. We can continue to exponentially affect the world. And at the same time, making it commercially viable to run the organizations that can create these systems and solutions that can give back is an interesting dichotomy of celebrating sort of the free market capitalism to grow a business, fund development, fund research, fund delivery of new things, and then balance that with making sure that we give back. And, and uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic of what's ahead, but I'm also careful, you know, to about my optimism uh, that it's it, nothing is automatic for sure. You brought up a great point, Fabrice. I'd like to quickly touch on this too. Failure is an important part of the process, and we've all, you know, had levels of failure at, at some point in our life. For those early entrepreneurs, do you find is there any risk that a lack of Exposure to failure can be problematic, I'd say, for them as they begin this entrepreneur journey because they're maybe not prepared for that first hit, that first thing that could could set them back. How do you prepare somebody for adversity when they haven't experienced it yet? Yes. Uh, look, let's be honest. Uh... Who likes to fail? I think nobody, you know. <laughs> I think we, we all uh, like to, to win and to never fail. That's for sure. So I think it's the, I think uh, unless <laughs> you are wonk, uh, I, I don't know people that like to fail, you know. So, but it's, for me, it's not a reason not to try. Now, all these super achievers or super entrepreneurs, are they, let's say, overcome failures is through their massive transformative purpose, you know. So they know what is what their true purpose is and they are fully committed to this. So it's what gets them off the bed every morning and they know why, why they are doing this. For example, to solve anger uh, or to, uh, to try to contribute to climate change, uh, etc. You know, so and it's their strong motivation. So 
with this, they know that, okay, I, I have to try. I want to pursue my moonshot. It will take time. I will face setbacks. I will face naysayers. I will have failures, but I will need just to continue because what I do is great. What I do can be great for humanity. So I need to just continue even if I face some failures. So I think for me, the, their true purpose is their tool to always keep the true north and to always go even if uh, there is snow, there is rain, there is a lot of things. They just, you know, continue on their track until they achieve their goals. You know, and and this is this is what I have observed. All these guys, you know, took Elon Musk. Elon Musk, he, he waited uh, probably twenty years before SpaceX is a great success. You know, and many many rockets just uh, crash. You know, and exploded. So he had a lot of failures, but he just continued. At some point, he was almost broke. But he continue again and again. I think it's, it's just the secret. Uh, it's only the secret to 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 succeed. Is is uh, never give up, uh, like Winston Churchill, you know, was saying, <laughs> never never give up. But I think it's true. Uh, and these kind of super entrepreneurs and super achievers, they have a relentless, let's say, pursuit of their dream or their objective. They they will never give up until they reach their their dream. Now, at some point, uh, they can, if they see that really uh, they need to take some other route to go uh, to any way achieve their dream, they will do it. They are not stupid too, so pivot or uh, or to to try to change a bit and adapt the plans are also possible, for sure. Uh, but generally, they are very relentless. And even if everybody around says, look, you will never succeed, they just continue. Steve Jobs was well known like this, you know. Uh, he, he was uh, saying, no, no, we will succeed, we will do it, etc. Everybody around was saying, well, no, it's, it's impossible. Again, it's impossible. And he was saying, no, it's possible. I think it's really a question of mindset. And, and if you... Uh, if you are fully convinced yourself, I think you can convince others, you know. But if if the founder has doubts, thinks that he will not succeed, that he will, uh, I'm not sure that it's going to work, etc. How can he convince his team that it will work? So I think the, the best uh, super entrepreneurs, they have a, a very, very strong belief that what they do will succeed. Uh, and it's all they can convince investors, they can convince team members, they can convince customers, because they say, no, no, I'm sure it will work, it will work, etc. It's what I have observed. Uh, I, I have known some guys, they were incredible, you know, they were even if everybody was believing that it will never work, they will continue. No, I'm sure it will work. Uh, I, and they were demonstrating why it will work, etc. You know, and they can bring some convincing arguments. So just people follow them. You know why? Because dreaming is nice too, and so you try to to also believe in these dreams too, because you won't be. You want to be part of this big dream because 
if you don't have big dream yourself but it, you can you want to help someone else maybe to make their dream uh, come true uh, so so i think uh, that's something which is fascinating <laughs> oh definitely and it, the most important thing and why i will implore people to to pick up the book and and i'm actually going to uh, i'll say that i'm going to throughout either through the blog or through social media i i want to make sure that people get access to this so i'm going to offer up to to uh to buy up a few copies myself on people's behalf and make sure that i get more people exposed to this if you take something that's executed successfully at scale and bring it down to you know a, a human level that's what makes day-to-day -day, you know entrepreneurship accessible you know if we use the practices and the successes from incredible moonshots and bring them down where there's less risk and there's less things but use the methods this is fantastic right it's, it's much harder to take traditional business methodologies and then scale them into an area where no one's been exposed before this is why it's such a beautiful opportunity to take the lessons from the book and then put them into day-to-day and when I read it, it, it immediately made me want to revisit a few things that I've, that I've got active. I'm an advisor to a startup and I'm doing other things. And it just, it lit up an incredible, you know, creative spark in me to like shed the unnecessary things that are being worked on and let's go to core principles. Let's go to what, what needs to get done. So I found it to be a very, very inspiring read, and uh, and I sure hope that other folks do. And it's funny just to, to further that one thing you talked about, uh, you know, SpaceX landing rockets. I use this in presentations all the time recently at customer talking about how today is stuff that we see as normal was not that case, you know, two years ago even. Let's say because Blue Origin, you know, they they sent people to the edge of space and back and they landed the rocket. So they, they land the first stage of the rocket. And that wasn't even in the news because it's normal now. So SpaceX has normalized landing the first stage of a rocket, which was unfathomable five years ago. No, for sure. And if, if I tell you that uh, there is a way to land rockets without using any fuel because SpaceX is using fuel, you know, to right. land rockets. But if I tell you that there is today a mean to do it without using any fuel, so a very sustainable way to reuse rockets, will you believe me or will you say that is impossible? I can tell you that it's possible because I'm now part of a venture, which is, is a German uh, entrepreneur, a fantastic super entrepreneur, uh, and he he just demonstrated very recently with a drop test uh, on a small scale that it works it's a kind of inflatable uh, parachute if you want that envelope let's say the the rocket and it works but it's not using any kind of fuel etc so it's a fully sustainable solution to uh, yeah to reuse rockets so yeah so you see, it's going so fast. Uh, what I wanted also to say maybe about the risk is that there are some techniques, you know, also to 
minimize the risk and it's part of the good preparation you know and i give uh, i explain a little bit in the book and in the this course uh, the crazy method launchpad that it will start end of this month i will also uh, give uh, much more explanation about these tools but there are some tools that exist also to try to to have a very good preparation to analyze all the possible risk etc uh, so that again uh, you know the risk of failure still exists but at least you try to minimize it and i think that Again, uh, maybe some entrepreneurs are uh, fearful to to do something because they say, oh, it's going to fail. And sometimes it's a lack of preparation. I think if you are well prepared, if you have well evaluated all risk, uh, and if you see what I like, you know, this uh, principle of asymmetry of risk, okay, there are some risks, but they are minimal compared to the reward that can be provided by what I want to do, then it should be always, you know, the decision, okay, I, I'm going to do it because what I'm going to do if I succeed will will just be great for the planet. By the way, if I succeed, I can even have a billion dollar company. Why not? And the risk is quite small or at least I know what I can do because I have some backup plans, etc., to minimize the risk. Uh, if eventually uh, they they would happen, it's uh, well. I, I look forward to seeing the outcomes from the first cohort in the Crazy yes. Method <laughs> Launchpad. So Fabrice will stay close uh, for folks who do want to get in touch with you. What's the best way they can reach you uh, in order to get in contact? Yeah, so I think the best way is to go on my, uh, I have two websites, but my main website is fabristesta.com, uh, where you can find all the information. You can reach out me on this website. I have also another website, which is uh, superpreneurblueprint.com. Uh, I'm also available on all social uh, media networks, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, uh, uh, YouTube. Uh, so just feel free to connect with me if you need some advice for your startup, uh, uh, if you need some mentoring, coaching, uh, if you want to follow this uh, new course, uh, if uh, yeah, if you want anything, uh, I'm uh, I try always to be uh, available uh, for entrepreneurs because I love entrepreneurs and uh, I want also to give back uh, by helping them uh, so that we build a better world. That's fantastic. Yeah, and it's, I, I actually, I, I wanted to spend some time talking to mentoring, but I didn't want to take away from what we wanted to talk about here. Uh, mentoring is incredibly close to home to myself as well, and and I've definitely seen the advantages that come. Uh, and so, thank you for for giving back to the entrepreneur community in doing that. It's it's more and more. You know, I've now you know, spoken to a couple of hundred entrepreneurs through the course of this podcast's life. And invariably, the successful ones always say, my success is because of the lessons that were given to me by others through mentoring. And, and they, they effectively, we can save each other risk. We can save each yes. other pain. We can share it's not all just about pat on the back you're doing a great job kid and you know like that's it's really not what mentoring is about mentoring is about having a good critical 
voice partner to share ideas with and 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 I've seen it myself uh, as a recipient and and also in in mentoring I've done in the community as well so uh, that's, that's great stuff so hopefully we'll come back I'd love to have you back on again in the future and we can talk a bit more deeply about uh, uh, mentoring with pleasure Eric it was a great conversation great questions and uh, I really enjoy very much this conversation thanks great. thanks a lot for inviting me there you go, ladies and gentlemen, Fabrice Testa. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks.